God is so good. You guys, um, just a blessing. Everything is just so cool to see God's, God's saints. Let's, let's pray and we'll jump right into it. Cool. Before we pray, I, I want to ask you just to repeat this after me, if you don't mind. I, I never do this, but I just felt like this would be cool before we pray. Say, say with me, God with us. God for us. God in us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the reality that you're inside of us. No longer far away. No longer a veil that separates us from you. Father, I pray by the Spirit of God that we would be able to hear and and see and experience your great love, the love you have for your only son and now for us in the same measure, which is too hard for us to even believe sometimes. But as Jesus said, Father, that they may know that the same love by which you have loved me with, you love them with, that they may know this love, that this love may be in them and I in them. Thank you, Lord, for this awesome work that you accomplished, that we might live in the love of God 24-7, not based on our performance, but as a gift, as a gift. What manner of love is this that God would call us his sons and daughters. And hereby we perceive the love of God and that he gave himself for us. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, may that which is inside of us open up. May we see the vastness of the Christ within us. May we see the greatness of the God who lives within. Oh, Lord. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And now our life is hidden with Christ in sight of God. Thank you, Lord. Help us hear heavenly things. Help us to see. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you don't get the Drudge Report, it's pretty cool. It's a lot, all the different news events that are happening around. It's kind of a conservative website, but it's cool. It's, it's really neat. But one of the things that was on the Drudge Report... And it's drudgereport.com if you want to check it out. But there was, a, there was an article about how this particular college was encouraging their students to turn their computers off and do more contemplating. To turn off the, the, the noise and, and to contemplate more. To ponder, to think more as opposed to just, you know, being stimulated by videos and 
TV and and whatever. And I just, I just, um, that's something that the Spirit of God has really helped me see the importance of. And I just, I really encourage you to take time to contemplate these heavenly things that God is showing us. Um, I love what it said about Mary. It said Mary pondered in her heart all these things that were being spoken to her by Simeon and, and others at the birth of the Christ. She pondered these things in her heart. David talked about meditating on the Lord. You know, he'd be watching the sheep and he meditated. Um, one, of the pow- one of the secrets of, of Patrick, um, we call St. Patrick from Ireland, but Patrick, you know, was taken as a slave from his home in England to Ireland. And he was put in charge of the sheep just like David. And he developed this incredible relationship with God because he pondered and contemplated and had this incredible relationship that grew as he was alone on the hills with the sheep, much, much like David. It's, a, it's almost like a lost art, in, if you want to say it that way, in the Christian life. Contemplation and meditation. Um, we've actually been, the enemy has used that word in a bad way. You know, like in, back in the 70s, it was the, you know, TM, transcendental meditation was a bad thing. That's a hippie thing. That's a drug thing. Don't do that. That's just the way the enemy works. The enemy takes things that, that are, belong to God and he twists it and uses it so, so that we, we run away from it. Jesus said, be wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. Be aware of what he does. He takes the things of God, twists it a little bit, puts it in the context of, of evil. So we say, oh, that's not, that can't be God. Let's run from it. Like movies, for instance. You know, like we've had people in the past that say movies are evil. Movies aren't evil. It's the content that's either good or evil, not the movie itself. Um, as you guys know, I love movies. I, love, I think God speaks through movies. I think God speaks through almost, well, he speaks through everything, he, everything. Um, if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, he's speaking, always, always speaking. And when you have that, um, when you have the key, which is Christ, you can hear what he's saying. Um, so anyway, I just want to encourage you to, to these, these truths that God is revealing to us, to spend time to take that walk or take that time away from noise or whatever and listen to what he's saying. Let it, let it grow in us, develop in us. It's actually a very important part of the dynamic of the new creation within to, to chew the cud, so to speak, to chew the cud so that um, what is being told to us gets deep inside of us. Jesus said this, he said to his disciples, he said, let what I'm saying to you sink down in your ears. That's how he said it. He said, let what I'm saying to you sink down in your ears. So it, there's a process where you hear it and if we don't let it sink down, as Jesus said, the word of the kingdom comes and those who don't understand it at first, if they don't let it percolate, the enemy comes and steals. It's the seed that falls on the side of the, on the, by the wayside because they hear the word of the kingdom. They hear the word of this other realm. They hear the word of this other reality that's in Christ. But because they don't understand it, they don't let it percolate and roots go down deep. The enemy is able to take it away or tribulation is able to make you throw it away because you're, it's too, it's too, this is too hard. I've got, I'm getting resistance from these guys that say I should be keeping the Ten Commandments and I, I better, you know, whatever it is. Whatever pressure comes to you from, from the enemy to, to throw it away. 
So the seed of Christ, the revelation of Christ is so powerful. It doesn't take a lot of, it doesn't take going to a monastery and being a monk and, and separating yourself from the world for, for your years. It's so powerful, it's so potent that just a few minutes of just pondering will return to you in dividends within. Powerful. That's why the enemy keeps you busy, 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 busy. You know, the book of Daniel says in the last days, the spirit of the Antichrist will wear out the saints. Try to wear out the saints. That's why Jesus was very wise in that he would get away from the crowds from time to time and just be alone. And one of the main things we do when we get alone to contemplate, I believe the first thing we do is allow yourself to be loved. Allow yourself to be loved. Don't go to God to do something for God. Don't go to God to try to be something for God. Don't try to do anything. Be totally receptive to His love. Allow Him to love on us. That's where it begins. It's not that we first loved Him, the Scripture says, but that He first loved us. So the whole, the whole um, beginning of contemplation and meditation begins with allowing Him to love us. And everything the Lord's revealing to us about His work is just every, it's like signposts, like, let me love you, you know? And then in that incredible love for us personally, then the fellowship comes forth out of that and we talk and we commune and we, and that which He's revealing to us becomes more real and roots go down deep and and when we're not tossed to and fro as much as we used to be because we, we know that we know. We haven't heard just, just from a man. Now we've heard from the Spirit. See, like Job said, I've heard of thee with the hearing of the ear, but now I see thee and I change my mind. See, so let these things sink down in our ears. And I just want to encourage you. Um, Meditation, the difference between meditation and contemplation, meditation is a, a pondering, the way I look at it anyway, meditation is a pondering of truth that he reveals to us. Jesus speaks to us things that, are, that have been hidden. I love what he said. He goes, I will speak to you things that have been hidden since the foundation of the world. When Jesus came into our world, He opened our eyes to things that have been hidden. Actually, they're, they're, this is what's so cool about God. The signature of God is in all of creation. Romans 1 says that the invisible things of God are clearly seen and understood by the things which have been made. But you needed someone to unlock what all, these, all this stuff means. And so the Lord Himself is the key, and He unlocks what has been hidden since the foundation of the world, since the foundation, the creation itself carries in, in it the signature of God. So it builds our faith when He opens up and shows us what the moon means, the sun means, what seasons mean, what a seed means, what wind means, all these things, these earthly things speak of heavenly things. 
And that's why he was trying to tell Nicodemus these earthly things so that, that might, he might understand heavenly things. And he, was not, he wasn't getting it, but because the time had not come for the Spirit to be given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And you cannot know the thoughts of God without the Spirit of God. And the deep things of God are revealed by the Spirit of God. So he, he was just, Jesus was planting seeds so that when the day came and he received the Spirit, he would say, that's what he meant. I love that, um, that scene in Jesus of Nazareth. They're, they were playing that on cable recently where Nicodemus is, you see that, remember that scene where Nicodemus is walking up and he's seeing Jesus, he's looking at Jesus on the cross and he's in the shadows of the Pharisees who were taunting him and Nicodemus was a man seeking after truth. You know, he wasn't like the Pharisees that were afraid of losing their power and he was, he looked at him on the cross and that scene is so awesome and he, and he, and he was like, and he started quoting Isaiah 53, you know, he was just, he was rejected of men. He was esteemed of smitten of God, but it was for our transgressions, for our sins that he was stricken. And then he goes, it was so cool the way they did this. And then he remembered what Jesus spoke to him. And he goes, and by his stripes, we are healed. He goes, healed. And then he goes, born again. He was getting it. Awesome. Awesome scene. You know, Nicodemus was saying, born again. Awesome. That's what I want to share with you this morning about his coming into the world, which we celebrate as Christmas. We don't know the day of his birth, but we know that he was born. And so the world sets aside a day to celebrate. He actually was born around September, I believe, around the time of the, of the Feast of Tabernacles and the Day of Atonement. But... Um, because shepherds are not usually out at night during the cold unless they have some protection or whatever, which could have been, but probably not. Anyway, so his coming into the world, um, I want to share this. I want, to, I want you to ponder and contemplate this thought. Oh, I didn't, figure, I didn't finish that thought. Okay, meditation is like meditating on a truth. Contemplation, rather, I think, for me, to contemplate is, has more of... A focus on Jesus himself in light of the truth. If that makes any sense. So, so I, I think I, I can think about truth as he speaks to me about truth and as I read the scripture, but move, let meditation move to contemplation and see him in light of that truth. Let's see him making that truth living. If that makes any sense. That's how it happens for me. And I just, everything should be, everything should be brought back to him. Everything. He is the, pre, he, he must have the preeminence in all things. He is the source of life and everything. Okay. All right. This is the thought I want to share before Coop leaves. Because Coop's got to, he's got to uh, watch the door and bless people as they come in. <laughs> Think about this, saints. Ponder this. I'm going to look at this for a few seconds here. When Jesus was born, it was, I know we've said this in other ways before, but hear this afresh. When he was born, it was the beginning of the end of the Adamic race. Think about that. When he was born, it wasn't the end at that point. It was, he was the last Adam. He was the beginning of the end of the human race as we knew it. 
What began in Eden, what began from the dust of the ground, what began from the sight of Adam was about to come to an end. This is huge. This is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Pondering this stuff, this call it stuff, but this pondering this awesome reality will change our lives. How will it change my life if I ponder this? Because by pondering the real, you and I see who we are. The sleeper must awaken. That's from Dune, the movie Dune, but... (laughs) I love that movie. It's kind of weird, but you know. The worms and the spice and all The sleeper must awake. It's so true. And Paul said that, actually. He says, awake, believers, and Christ shall give thee light. So I'll give you a scripture too. Awake. See? We can be a believer and be somewhat asleep. Hebrews says the believer can be dull of hearing and, and asleep, so to speak. And what, what these truths do is like when we ponder, Paul was very clear that this, the coming of the Christ was cataclysmic. In Romans chapter 5, he talked about how the first Adam, by one sin, judgment, condemnation and judgment came upon the entire human race. But of the Christ, the last Adam, by one act, one act, righteousness came upon all men and life instead of death. What was the one act? It was the one act of dying. His act of obedience in death because he was the perfect sacrifice. His one act of death, his one act brought righteousness to the world, whoever believes in life. So, and then, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says that the first Adam was a living soul. God breathed into Adam, he became a living soul. Which speaks of just, you know, Adam. He's the only one. He's the only one alive right there, Adam, living soul. But the last Adam, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, the last Adam is a life-giving spirit. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that the first man, Adam, was earthy from below. Paul says the second man, the last man, was the Lord from heaven. You see how this is what he's what Paul is saying? This is a major change in the human race. The beginning of a new creation. When he was born into the world, he was actually he was he would live out his life born of a woman, born under the law, Galatians says, that he might live the perfect life as a son of Adam. He loved that term about himself, the son of man, the son of man, the son of man. Because see, it wasn't that God was going to wipe out the old race. He was going to redeem the old race. It wasn't that he was going to destroy the old race and start a whole new race. He was going to take the old race and bring it through death and then through resurrection. Because he loves the sons of Adam. Isn't that awesome? He loves the sons of Adam. And so he would come and redeem us through this one, this last Adam. Isn't this awesome? Yes. Now, this is the kind of thing that as we ponder, this, that's why in the beginning, God breathed into Adam's nostrils. And the nose, by the way, speaks of life, the, the, the aroma of life. He breathed in his nostrils and became a living soul. And then in the Gospel of John, you see Jesus taking his disciples, the beginning, the beginning, 
Remember the verse in the last chapter, last couple of chapters of the Gospel of John? And Jesus breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed. This is before Pentecost. This is the seed. This is the beginning of the, of the new race. Because he did it as God did it in the beginning. As Christ, as God through Christ did it in the beginning, he does it again. It begins over now. It begins over now. It begins again now. It begins again now. See? And he says to them, to those, those, those Galileans, it's, oh, it's, it's a whole new world now. And he breathed, just like God breathed on Adam, and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? It's the beginning of a new race. We are a holy nation, an other nation. Remember we talked about what holy really means? It means other, other, other. We are other, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. See? We are the sons and daughters of God. 1 Corinthians, I think chapter 4, Paul says, we were in darkness. And he says, in the same God, the same God who said, let there be light. See, the creation in the beginning. The same God who said, let there be light, has shined into our hearts. Revealing the glory of God in the face of Jesus that we might be born again, created new. In the same way, he said, let there be light in the beginning. It was just, that's all a picture of how now light comes to the fallen race through the revelation of Christ. And we're created new within. So now, go back to that moment when the heavens opened and the angels said, we bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now look at it from that perspective. God is about to create anew. After he would fulfill his life and fulfill all things and say on the tree, it is finished. In the resurrection is where the creation began. As the scripture says of the Christ when he was raised from the dead, this day have I begotten thee. In the book of Acts, this day have I begotten thee, meaning really all of us begotten in him. See? So the death is the end of the old. The death is the judgment. That's why he, through his death, he actually, Christ actually, this is the mystery, of, this is the awesome mystery of Christ. That we could not keep the law. We could not be righteous in ourselves. We cannot, we could not bridge the gap. The veil is up. We could not be in union with God in our present state. And so what God did, he did not destroy the law and the prophets. He destroyed us. He judged us. See, we were wed. We were married to this flesh. We were married to the Adamic race. Our mother and father were from below. We were married, joined to this creation. We were of this creation. That's why Romans 7 says we were married. And, and Paul in Romans 7 talks about this whole thing about how the death of the husband releases you to be married to another. Well, who is the husband there? It's not the law. We've heard it taught that it's the law. We were married to the law. No, the law is not our husband. The law never dies. We were married to this creation. We were married to the flesh. We were in the flesh. And when we were in the flesh, Romans says, the passions which were aroused by the law gave forth, forth fruit unto death. 
We were married to this creation. We were married to the Adamic race. We had to die. We had to, our husband had to die. The body of Christ became as us. He became flesh and blood so that he would be as us. So in his death, our husband died. Do you see that? As you died, that's basically the flesh died. You of this creation, you the old man, died. What you were joined to in the flesh, that was dead. That was, that was crucified, as the scripture says. And then we were released to be married to another, even the same Christ who was raised from the dead. So the real you on the inside could be released. God did not change the law. He brought you out from under it. You're not under the jurisdiction of the law anymore because you're not of this world anymore. You've actually moved the veil. Hebrew says his flesh was the actual veil. The veil in the temple that rent was a picture of the real veil. And the real veil was his body of flesh, Hebrew says. When he was rent on the cross, it actually opened a door that no man can shut, Revelation says. And we move through him, the door, into another realm. We've been translated from the kingdom of this darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son. We walk on this earth no longer from this creation. No longer of this creation. See, this, this is the truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. So, so this, so, so we, this is what to ponder these things is life and peace. These are the things of the Spirit. These are the things that are freely given to us by the Spirit. The Spirit is given to, know, to, to reveal to us the things that are freely given to us in God. That we might know not the depths of our flesh. Don't, don't fall into that trap of trying to examine your flesh. No good thing dwells in our flesh. As C.S. Lewis said, it's like an onion. You want to look, you want to look for sin in your flesh? There's plenty of it. Pull up a chair. It's going to take some time. Onion, layer after layer. There's no good thing that dwells in the flesh. It's a trap. It's from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They looked at their nakedness and they sensed a separation from God. God says, that's not my way is to look at yourself. That's not my way. It's a way of death. But to look at Christ, to look at the new man, to see the new creation, then transformation takes place. And remember this, saints? Transformation is a word that means it is the outward manifestation of what already is inside. Manifestation is the word to be used from this perspective of me in him being who I already am. That's manifestation. The people that watch you, that see you, the word is transformation because they don't see the invisible. They see an outward change taking place. So from the outward perspective, it's transformation. From the inward perspective, it's manifestation. Isn't that awesome? Yes. You're not being changed to be more like him or more, more righteous. You're not, your nature is not being changed. You have the divine nature. Yes. You have. You are a new creation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all things have become new. But a manifestation of that takes time. And that's through the renewal of the mind that fruit might come forth. Let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. See? And that's, and that's the process, the process of, of the, the meditation and contemplation so that the life within 
might renew our minds that the real you gets out. And we see a new race, a new people, no longer the sons of Adam, neither Jew nor Gentile, nor Scythian or barbarian, neither male nor female, but in him, a new creation, a royal priesthood, sons and daughters of God. Isn't that awesome? Awesome. You see, now look how, look how God, look how God brings forth life. It's not about us. It's about him. Great is the mystery of your godliness. Okay, Lord, tell me, what is the mystery? What, how can I be godly? Well, this is how. Behold me, who came in the flesh as a son of Adam, yet not a son of Adam, fully man, but no earthly father, no iniquity in my blood, no iniquity in the sperm of man, sinless. Behold me who came in the flesh. Behold me who was vindicated by the spirit of resurrection. But Lord, what do I do? Just watch. This is awesome. Behold the revelation. The proclamation that the angels saw and the messengers saw. Behold the word that goes forth of this awesome mystery of the death of the human race and the resurrection of a new race, a new people. The word new creation means a whole new species, not a revitalized old species, a whole new species from above, from above. But Lord, what's my part? Okay, here's your part. And they believed, they believed. And he was taken up into glory. That's in Timothy. That's Paul's description of the mystery of godliness. Through faith and what he did. Heaven's dynamic is released in us. We know each other no more after the flesh, but after the spirit. And as we gather and encourage each other in this truth, we build each other up in this great love of God. And our eyes begin to sparkle and we began to, the word transfiguration in the Greek where Christ was transfigured before them is the same word metamorphosis as used in the Corinthian letter when it says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. In the Greek, it means metamorphosized as a caterpillar to a butterfly, a whole new creation. He was not, Jesus was not less than he was before that light broke forth through his skin. It was just manifested in the same way you are manifested as you and I are renewed to this reality and we walk in this great love of God and men see who your father is. Isn't that awesome? It's such a rest from beginning to end. And Jesus said, this reality will cause you and I to bear much fruit, fruit that remains, spiritual fruit.
that remains. Not this wood, hay, and stubble stuff that you have to work up and make everybody happy around you and become the righteousness police around you and make sure all this and whatever program you're working on to help people you know, change their lives, all this stuff. No. This is a spiritual reality that imparts life that will carry each one of us through the hardest of times, even through the shadow of death. Awesome. God is so good. Lord, we thank you so much. Thank you for helping us see. Lord, thank you so much. It's awesome. Lord, help us to, to take time to meditate and contemplate. May these things go deep down within our ears. Oh God, what an awesome thing. The end of the Adamic race as we know it. The end of the world as we know it. And the coming of the Christ. Behold, behold, I do a new thing. Consider not the things of oath. Behold, the veil shall be removed on the mountains and they shall see and there shall be a continual feast. Behold, he has done it. Oh, sons of God, sons of God, sons of God. What manner of love is this that we should be called the sons of God? No longer of Adam. Oh God. Thank you, Lord, for breathing into us. Spirit of life. Oh, last Adam, life-giving spirit. Help us to see these heavenly things that we would be released from religion, released from the manipulation of men, released from the organization of men, and see the reality of the spiritual that we might bring life to others in the simplicity of Christ. Lord, may, may this church be a living reality. Wherever man's hand is on it, may it be broken, may it be dissolved, and may that which is life come forth. May this be an unusual gathering where people can come and touch him and experience him. Thank you, Lord. Help us now worship, Lord. Help us see, help us sing from heaven to the earth. Not as the pagans do that try to sing and praise God down, but help us see that we are seated with you, Lord, in heavenly places, your sons and your daughters. And help us give, us, help us give you the only sacrifice we can give, which is thanksgiving and praise. Awesome. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Abba. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Papa. Awesome. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Thank you for this awesome, awesome reality. Help us contemplate by the Spirit your goodness, your mercy. Amen. Amen. Amen.